Welcome to the School of Sheen podcast. The School of Sheen podcast is a Perusia podcast series where we join Archbishop Fulton Sheen expert Alan Smith to take a look at the writings and wisdom of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen with host Matthew Herman Tague. In episode two, we discuss Sheen's book, Victory Over Vice. The School of Sheen podcast is recorded online with a live audience in Perusia world. To be part of the live online audience during these recordings and to interact in the live member-only Q&A sessions that follow, please join us in Perusia world by visiting perusiamedia.com and clicking on Perusia world for all the information on how to join. Perusia podcast is produced in partnership with EWTN Asia Pacific and Voice of Charity Radio Australia. Alan Smith, welcome back to Perusia World. How are you this evening or this morning from Australia? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, we're having a bit, little bit of a change of season. Uh, you know, we're transitioning from summer to fall, and so uh, it's getting a little cooler. Um, you know, I like to say uh, we're uh, 20 degrees centigrade or uh, 71 degrees Fahrenheit. So uh, comfortable weather. Uh, the humidity has come way down. And so uh, a lot of people enjoy the four seasons of Canada. And uh, so, again, we're anticipating a, a good fall. And uh, no, but things are good. The sun came up today in Canada and the sun also is going down now as we speak. So, uh, but again, a great opportunity to talk about uh, the writings of Archbishop Sheen today. And to uh, just, again, um, I like to say, enlighten your mind and hopefully strengthen your will. So uh, thank you for having me on this podcast. Mm, yes, yeah, yeah, you're very kind to our uh, US participants by uh, converting uh, the temperature for them. We were having a bit of a laugh earlier about the fact that uh, Americans have not yet discovered base 10 math. And so perhaps that's something else that we should take to, to prayer, that the Americans discover the metric system at some point. Um, of course, you talk about uh, the seasons in Canada. It's uh, something that's very confusing for us here in Australia because um, we, we really don't have seasons like you guys. It's been suggested that uh, Australia has about six seasons. Uh, so uh, you're very different down here. So one day we'll have to get you out to Australia, Alan, so you can experience some Australian weather. Yeah, but I heard there's uh, lots of unique spiders and uh, mm -hmm. a, a good variety of snakes. And, um, you know, it just, you know, it's kind of like I'm a little bit nervous there. But, you know, the good Lord, I'm sure, will help me overcome that. So, uh, but we'll pray again. You've been praying the rosary to end the lockdowns and COVID-19. So hopefully the good Lord will answer our prayers and uh, we'll be able to travel once again without any fears. So um, keep praying, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, you never know, I may make it to Australia one day. So I can we'll one day, hopefully one day I'll introduce you to all the spiders and snakes uh, you would wish. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. So, yes, and we've just prayed um, a rosary with Dr. Robert Haddad for the spiritual rosary pilgrimage as well. So speaking of prayer, would you like to lead and open with prayer? Aaron? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, dear Blessed Mother, we come as your children to, uh, to learn from the Master, to learn from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we're grateful to the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, who wrote and spoke well of Jesus Christ. And so may we learn from him this evening. 
And may our mother guide us and protect us and assist us as we uh, continue to grow in our faith. And so we pray for her intercession as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, Mother. pray for us sinners now and, now at, the and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom, pray, pray for, for us. us. Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, pray, pray for, for us. 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 And we'll also ask for the intercession of St. Mary MacKillop, pray for us. Pray for us. And of course, in the year of good St. Joseph, let us pray. Good St. Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Um, All right. Thank you. Sorry, go ahead. No, I love St. Mary MacKillop. She's, uh, yeah. you know, she's a dynamo. And of course, um, uh, th grateful that Australia has uh, a great saint. And uh, again, she's um, looking down on us, I'm sure, very favorably today. So uh, uh, to see uh, those children of hers, um, her spiritual children, of course, which are, you know, tens of thousands and sometimes millions, uh, learning the faith. So uh, again, I think uh, I love the, the saints, you know, we're the church militant, uh, but the church triumph is helping us all the time. So, all right. Amen. Amen. So we are here for the School of Sheen. And uh, the School of Sheen is essentially a, a venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen book club, isn't it, Alan? Um, so what book are we doing today? Yeah, uh, we're going to do um, uh, Victory Over Vice, um, uh, a book that Fulton Sheen penned in 1939. And, and I have to say it is my favorite book. It's, um, you know, of the 66 books that Archbishop Sheen penned, um, it's the one that caught my attention. Uh, because I think just its title alone, Victory Over Vice, um, I think, you know, it's hard to admit, but we all have a sin problem. <laughs> you know, I like to always say, oh, not me, not, not me, you know, that's the neighbor. But uh, to be honest, we all have a sin problem. So uh, it was kind of nice to have um, what I'd like to say, uh, a resource manual to help us to overcome uh, the seven deadly sins. And so uh, when I read that book back in 2009, uh, it started me on a journey of just uh, reading, uh, you know, as many Sheen, um, want to say volumes or, that I could. Uh, he was this parish priest, to, to me at least, that somehow uh, got into my head and got into my heart. And so uh, I just started to consume uh, everything I could find about Fulton Sheen. And I realized that he had 66 books. And, um, you know, uh, to my credit, I've read almost every one of them. And I tell you, uh, they are roadmaps of how to live your life, how to uh, understand this difficult world. And again, he took, I like to say, to the airwaves. Um, you know, in the 1930s and 40s, uh, he had a weekly show called The Catholic Hour and took that opportunity to provide a catechesis, um, almost like he knew his parish was 4 million people. And, you know, I think every good parish priest is thinking, I, I want to develop a lesson plan uh, for my parishioners. And uh, he truly was doing that. He was giving, uh, I like to say, a beautiful catechesis on the cross uh, for many years. And so, um, again, uh, when you look through his uh, years of writings, you start to see uh, some beautiful roadmaps, I say, to uh, just help those who are on a spiritual journey. So uh, this book in 1939 um, has the antidote uh, 
uh, for the seven deadly sins. And so we'll kind of unpackage that today. So anyway. Yes, uh, it's now a book that uh, we offer here in Australia uh, with Perusia. I'd love to hold up my copy right now, but of course, because of lockdowns, uh, Australia Post is on a, a slowdown. And so I haven't quite received my copy yet. So here is um, this latest version. Now, I'm not so sure how great the camera is, but um, uh, it says Victory of Vice. And I did a subtitle uh, called uh, The Seven Last Words and the Art of Overcoming the Seven Deadly Sins. And so, um, you know, we put uh, the three crosses of Calvary on the cover. Uh, but again, I think it's this idea of, you know, at the art of overcoming the seven deadly sins, because uh, I learned from, um, again, uh, an Australian, I think of George um, uh, Manessa, and yeah. uh, he always had the, I think, the art of practical Catholicism. And so I thought, yeah, it's an art. It's an yeah. art to overcome sin. So, um, so again, victory over vice, again, it's uh, hopefully, like you say, um, um, a, a, a cover that uh, you know you'll be able to recognize, uh, but if you Google it, of course, this will come up. And so, uh, and on the back of the cover, we have this iconic picture of uh, Fulton Sheen by his blackboard. And so, I think everybody knows that. And so, um, again, Fulton Sheen's going to take us on a journey today of how to, um, you know, kind of meditate and you know, chew on a few ideas and uh, I can he's kind of, he's going to shake you up a little bit. And I know this is what he did so well with me uh, back in 2009. Uh, and I think you'll see as I start to unpackage uh, his writings, uh, how he uh, pricks our conscience, you know, and oh, yeah. uh, it, it's a bit of a call to action. So yes, uh, yes. yes. Yeah. And, and anyone, so anyone in the uh, Northern Hemisphere in the States in particular, please go to Alan's website to get a copy of the book. Uh, bishopsheentoday.com and those of you in Australasia uh, you can get it at the Perusia store as well and uh, this is such an interesting book I, I my own testimony of my return home to the Catholic Church is uh, is full of vice and so I'm always talking about um, you know how to defeat uh, the vices in my life in order to help others because when you've had three decades of ingrained habitual sin it's it's quite a battle so anyone young listening please start practicing virtue early don't don't take my path it's it's definitely the, the harder path to take and i'm always saying what is the first step in defeating evil but naming it and so in this book, Archbishop Fulton Sheen is really teaching us about this evil that we need to name in our lives in order to begin overcoming it. But of course, right, if you're only concentrating on the vice, right, you're not going to win. We need to then learn the virtues with which to conquer that vice. And I find it absolutely fascinating, Alan, that Archbishop Fulton Sheen has done through has done this in this book through the seven last words of Jesus from the cross. That is a right. fascinating concept. Right. And, you know, I have a, a little ministry and it's called the seven last words of everything. It's like um, because Fulton Sheen for 58 consecutive years um, gave a lecture, um, a talk uh, on the seven last words and every year he had a different theme, you know? So for example, in 1933, he talked about the seven last words, uh, a beautiful Good Friday meditation that people still read today. Uh, in 1935, he, uh, his meditations were on the Our Father. 
and the seven last words. And he took the seven parts of the Our Father and connected them to the seven last words our Lord spoke from the cross. Uh, the following year in 1936, he uh, penned Calvary in the Mass, where he took the seven parts of the Mass and applied them to the seven last words. And he continued to do that year after year after year. And the titles that you'll see, the cross and the Beatitudes, um, the seven virtues, victory over vice, the seven words to the cross, the seven words of Jesus and Mary, all of these beautiful, um, what I call his Lenten homilies have been put together in books. And I know I received a question in the chat earlier uh, asking about ebooks. And um, I know if people go onto my website or go onto Amazon, uh, they'll see that there's the ebook versions uh, of all of these books. And of course, they're quite affordable. If we've always tried to keep them, you know, $2.99, something like that. But again, uh, again, when people are searching, because they, they like, I mean, I still like print, don't get me wrong. I, I love holding a book in my hand. Uh, but many people like the digital version. So uh, again, you'll find them depending on what store you're shopping in, um, you know, that the, the ebooks are available. And sometimes in certain countries, um, you know, you'll find the ebook always on the American listings. I think when you go to amazon.com, but sometimes uh, amazon.canada or amazon.australia, there's not always the ebook listing for some reason. And I don't know what what that's all about but still uh, it's one of these things so a lot of people love putting these books on their kindle and their e-readers and so um everybody learns differently but uh still that's it i may not have a physical copy of the book uh, right now but i've actually had a, a, a an e-book version on the kindle for a number of years now and i have not got around to reading it so this wow. is well, this has actually yeah. been my first attempt at reading yeah. it and notice that I say <clears throat> attempt. Uh, so now <laughs> I come to confession time. I'm only three chapters in. Right. Uh, unfortunately, with everything going on, it's been very, very busy. So um, yeah, right. uh, let's keep yeah. that in mind as we <laughs> as, as we right. yeah. the book. Yeah. Yes. Now you, so you may. Yeah. Go ahead. I wanted to just wanted to ask: um, Would you say, Alan, that? the seven last words from the cross have been the overarching theme of Archbishop Fulton Sheen's life and ministry? Um, it's, it's a big component because, you know, I've been blessed in that I've put together four best-selling books, anthologies with Sophia Institute Press. And uh, many people have seen me on EWTN uh, television talking about these books. And I believe Fulton Sheen had four, I like to say, pillars um, that he liked to write on. And so um, he had a great deal of uh, essays and homilies on the power of the cross and the power of the seven last words. And so I compiled it into an anthology called uh, The Cries of Jesus from the Cross. I think, I, I think I've got, uh, I'll, show, I'll hold up a copy in a thing, second. I think I've got it here. Uh, bear with me here. I'm not trying to do sh shameless book plugs, but um, the cries of Jesus from the cross and anthology. Um, this this is uh, a bestseller still, and it's seven of Sheen's. Uh, um, I want to say uh, books on the seven last words, and so again, as you said, he spent 58 consecutive years speaking about the cross and the seven last words. So you know, it's a big, um, you know, it, it's it's important to him. So the power of the cross. And then he wrote a great deal on prayer. And so 
um, again, his holy hour. And I think we all have heard of Fulton Sheen's 62-year uh, consecutive streak, I call it. He never missed a day without praying a holy hour for 62 years. Never missed. Uh, made, made that promise when he was a seminarian and uh, was faithful to that promise. So uh, he has a number of writings on prayer. Again, I mentioned earlier, he wrote on the Our Father and the Seven Last Words. He wrote about Calvary and the Mass. And uh, so, and of course, Stations of the Cross was, uh, again, his little booklet he did in 1932. It's still uh, selling hundreds of thousands of copies. So uh, again, his writings on prayer, very important. And so I put an anthology together on that. And then his book of sacraments, I uh, realized he wrote three to get married. So he gave a, um, you know, like say sound advice to all married couples. He wrote a book on these are the sacraments, uh, 1962. Uh, the priest is not his own and um, those mysterious priests. And he also wrote a 50 part catechism series. And so Fulton Sheen has a lot to say on the faith and, and the catechism. So again, I put an anthology together on that. It's called Sheen's Book of Sacraments. And of course, uh, I have a fourth book on Sheen's writings on love, and it's called The Greatest Commandments, and it will be released at the end of this year, or early next year. So again, so uh, Fulton Sheen wrote on the power of the cross, the power of prayer, the power of the sacraments, and the power of love. So, you know, wow. he wasn't a one hit wonder, you know, although my favorite writings that I love are his writings on the cross and the seven last words. So um, this is my wheelhouse. This is where I love to give lectures and retreats all about uh, how Fulton Sheen uses the seven last words uh, as a teachable moment on, on almost every topic. So, and today we're going to connect the dots on the seven deadly sins and the seven last words. Indeed. So let's get started because, yeah, this uh, this book is broken up into uh, several chapters, each chapter with a heading of a, a deadly sin, but then uh, uh, the quote of the seven last words. So what sin do we start with and what is okay. the last word from the cross, please, Alan? Okay, so, um, so we'll start with the sin of anger. Um, well, first of all, let me just review the seven last words. Sure. Um, our, our Lord said from his cross on Calvary, uh, 2000 years ago, he said, the first word was father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Uh, the second word is this day, you'll be with me in paradise. Uh, the third word he spoke from the cross is woman, behold your son. And to the apostle, he loved, behold your mother. Uh, the fourth statement, or, and I think uh, our Protestant brothers love to call it the seven statements that Christ made from the cross, but we uh, as Catholics call it the seven last words. Uh, but the fourth word that our Lord spoke from the cross is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, the fifth word is I thirst. Uh, the sixth word is it is finished. And the seventh word is father into your hands, I commend my spirit. So this is the seven last words because a lot of times people say, oh, the seven last words of Christ, was that when he was ascending into heaven? And saying, bye, I'll see you later. <laughs> you know, I've come to make a place for you in heaven. No, no. The seven last words are the seven last words that he spoke from the cross. And so um, that's uh, what we like to refer to. So, um, so we'll kind of unpackage the first word uh, that our Lord spoke from the cross. And, of course, uh, apply it to the sin of anger. And so, um, again, the sin of anger, we look to the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
And I tell you, it, it is one of these things. We're an un- angry bunch, a lot of us, you know, it's kind of, um, it, it's a sin that uh, a lot of people say, well, no, no, it's not really my sin, you know, but let's be honest, we get angry at a lot of things. And especially after this time of COVID, uh, I think we're angry at a lot more things. And, um, uh, but our blessed Lord uh, gave us just a great um, remedy in those words, Father, forgive. Father, forgive. And, you know, I don't think we spend enough time thinking about those words, Father, forgive. And, um, you know, I, I've, I just pulled a few notes and I, of course, I'll share them with you. And um, people, the reason why they love these, I'm just going to give you the Coles notes, you know, um, it would take you about three hours to read the book cover to cover if you just kind of sat with it and enjoyed it. Um, and I find with Fulton Sheen, um, you have to keep putting the book down. Like people all the time, they'll take the book and uh, they'll, they'll, they'll go and they'll just read, you know, a paragraph and go, that's so true. That's so true. I have to totally agree with you. This is, you know, when I started reading it, I knew I was very time poor. So I'm trying to read it so that, you know, I would have intelligent things to say to you, Alan, during this recording. But I found that this was not a book that you could read through quickly. This was one that had to, this, this is a book you could actually take into Lexio Divina, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And so this is the thing. And I, I give people a warning in the introduction to the book to say that um, you will have to put this book down and pause and just ponder. And, and that's what Fulton Sheen does so well. And so, you know, again, I'm going to just give you a few gems, um, you know, that will just kind of, you know, um, hopefully inspire you to add this to your library. And I'd like to say that every Catholic home should have a number of Fulton Sheen books in them. They're great resource manuals. So, uh, But still, um, what Fulton Sheen writes about our Lord is that he says, you know, the Lord was calm under fire. You know, he had righteous anger. Uh, we always think of him coming into the temple and, uh, of course, uh, making his little uh, cords of whips and, of course, uh, just scattered everybody. And, and there is righteous anger. Uh, but then again, there's the wrong anger, right? And so he warns us of that. Um, and, you know, I think one thing we have to understand is that, you know, we tend to judge our co-workers and our neighbors the most. Um, we love to, um, I like to say, look at their faults. And uh, because if we busy ourselves looking at the fault of our neighbor, we don't have to look into our own soul. And I think this is what Fulton Sheen was reminding us. You got to look into your own soul, because if you do, you'll realize just, you know, how, not how bad you are, but uh, sometimes how selfish you are. And I know it's hard to do that uh, introspective, to do that. But um, I never forget, I tell this story all the time of my neighbor. Um, I got one of these neighbors that drive me crazy. I mean, you got a neighbor to the left and a neighbor to the right. So, um, but again, this neighbor that I have to the right, um, you know, a single guy. And uh, of course, we, we kibitz back and forth all the time. And uh, what he does one day is all of a sudden he orders a hot tub. <laughs> and, and, and where does he put the hot tub? He puts it right in an eye shot of my daughter's bedroom window. Okay. And so I have, uh, at the time, I had two teenage daughters. These are now, um, you know, adult daughters who, of course, who are married and have given me beautiful grandchildren. But at the time, he puts this hot tub right in front of my daughter's bedroom window. 
And uh, you can just imagine what uh, happens there. And so I had to go over to his house and knock on the door and say, listen, I don't want to spoil your fun. I want you to have a hot tub. But please remember that my daughter's bedroom window is right there, okay? Uh, can you kind of have a bit of decency and maybe put up some lattice and uh, cover things up? And he gave me this look like, what? And I, I kind of said to him, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian father trying to, um, you know, protect my daughters and stuff like that. And he, and he, he kind of just said, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. But again, the word father forgive him for he knows, knows not what he does. Like those words just rang in my ears because after talking to him, he said, you know, listen, I've never been to church in my life. My parents didn't raise me in nothing. And, you know, I don't really have a Christian bone in my body, but um, he says, I, I respect you. And, and so again, again, my neighbor didn't know what he's doing. And again, I, 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 I guess I was, I kind of changed my um, idea about him to think, okay, remember, you don't know your neighbor. And that's what Fulton Sheen uh, reminds us. You don't really know your neighbor. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know their formation. And so when our Lord said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was telling us, you know, the world doesn't know what it's doing half the time because it hasn't been formed. It doesn't really have a Christian conscience. And so uh, always remember that. Always run that. So that story of my neighbor, I, I share all the time. And I think everyone in the audience has a neighbor like my neighbor, right? So, uh, or at least two doors down, at least. So it's not always your direct neighbor. So I think Fulton Sheen was always saying, don't be too quick to judge. Because remember, you you have to look at it. Like, what, what was that thing? Someone always taught me, when you point a finger, <laughs> three fingers point back at you. So uh, be careful that way, you know? And so, um, and, and, and I'm a hockey referee in Canada. So um, I learned whenever I'm doing a single, I always put my hand straight ahead so that nothing points back at me, right? So uh, it's a trick I learned, but uh, again, I, I digress here. <laughs> I get into, you know, hockey being passion of Canada um, and hockey season is about to start in Canada. So I know in Australia, you love footy and stuff like that. You have your uh, sports that you follow, but here uh, it's ice hockey. So you're, talk, you're yeah. talking to the wrong guy. I'm the, I'm the most unusual okay. Australian in that I don't follow sport at all. Okay. Good for you. Good for you. You must be reading Sheen or something like that. So that's well, good. Well, I need to read more Sheen. In, in, you in do. Fact, you I, do. I'd love to read some Sheen for us now because, and then, you know, have you further comment because right. one thing I noticed, you know, I mean, unfortunately, I'd love to say I don't have an anger problem. Um, but I, I would be lying and then I'd have to go to confession again. And all too often I'm taking the sin of anger uh, into the confessional and, and placing it on the altar um, as sacrifice to God, asking him to convert me. But um, Archbishop Fulton Sheen really doesn't pull any punches, does he? And this is, this is a book that really hits home um, right to the heart. So if I may share, uh, this is a quote from uh, the chapter on anger. Have we ever offended God? Is he any right to be angry with us? Then why should we, who need pardon so badly, strive not to purchase it by pardoning others? The answer is because we never examine our consciences. We are so ignorant of our true condition that we know little more of ourselves than our name, address, and how much we have. Of our selfishness, our envy, our detraction, our sin, we know absolutely nothing. In fact, in order that we may never know ourselves, we hate silence and solitariness. 
lest our conscience should carry on with us in an unbearable repartee. We drown out its voice in amusements, distractions, and noise. If we met ourselves in others, we would hate them. If we knew ourselves better, we would be more forgiving of others. The harder we are on ourselves, the easier we will be on others. The man who has never learned to obey knows not how to command. The man who has never disciplined himself knows not how to be merciful. It is always the selfish who are unkind to others, and those who are hardest on themselves are the kindest to others, as the teacher who knows the least is always the most intolerant to his pupils. Only a Lord who thought so little of himself as to become man and die like a criminal could ever forgive the weakness of those who crucified him. Wow. I know. <laughs> you kind of you go... Like, I mean, because again, it just pierces your heart. You, you just, when, when he, I love what he talked about silence and, and again, we're afraid to turn off the noise because mm -hmm. we may have to then all of a sudden address what's happening inside of us. And again, the world is just trying to keep busy, keep noisy. Um, it's, it, it is a war that's going on. And so uh, thank you for sharing that. And, um, Again, I think it's this whole idea of, you know, we just want to keep, um, you know, beating up on our neighbor so we don't have to reflect on what's happening inside. It's, mm -hmm. it's so true. It's so true. Um, you know, Fulton Sheen always gives two tips in every chapter of, of, you know, like the homework, I like to say, of how to overcome these seven deadly sins. And so the two tips that he gives in this chapter on anger is that he says, the reason for forgiving is ignorance. So remember that, you know, just remind yourself, they don't know. And in most cases, they don't know. Uh, so always have that um, merciful compassion on your neighbor. Um, and the second tip that he gives us is there's no limit for forgiveness. You know, forgive us seven times, 70 times, um, or seven times 70. It's un unlimited. And again, uh, when the scriptures say that a good man falls into sin seven times a day, is it? Or, you know, I don't have Imagine how many times I fall. Yeah. Right. I know. Uh, eight. Right. So, okay. So it's this idea of, you know, just you can't limit God's mercy and know that he'll forgive us and forgive us and forgive us. And so, uh, again, you can see how Fulton Sheen takes us, the student, and says, I'm just going to give you a few ideas to ponder and think about. And um, I tell you, I'm not as critical now after reading uh, Fulton Sheen's writings on anger. Um, and again, uh, I like to say anger management. And, I, and I've uh, had a firsthand experience when I give this reflection at men's conferences um, there's always some big burly 300 pound guy that comes up to me after and says, I just want to thank you for that talk because I, you know, I've had an anger problem for years and you, you've really set me straight. And so I go, Oh, good. You know, it's just, but again, there's many of us that have this anger problem. And so it's nice to know there is a remedy. There is a remedy. And sometimes it's just those beautiful words from our Lord, father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And it was the words that shocked the crowd around him. Like they were waiting for a cry of agony from the Lord, uh, possibly some cursing because uh, people who have followed crucifixions know that 
usually they have to cut the tongues out of those who are crucified because they make uh, so many profanities and they're just screaming. So when our Lord, his first words to come out of his lips were, Father, forgive them, they were in shock. They were in shock. And in fact, it inspired one of the criminals that was crucified beside him so much so that uh, it brought about his conversion. And uh, of course, that's the good thief. And we'll uh, speak about him a little bit now as we get ready to go into what I call the second word from the cross. And we're going to tackle the, it's the sin of envy. Um, and uh, again, the second word from the cross is that dialogue with the good thief and our Lord when he asked him to remember him. And of course, he responded in kind to say, this day, you'll be with me in paradise. And so, um, again, the sin of envy is kind of one of those ones where I think a lot of people say, well, you know, that's not me. I'm not envious. No, not me. That, that's, that's for somebody else. But you know, when I think about it, a lot of us struggle with this sin. Um, I know for me, I think because I'm a business owner and, you know, uh, again, I always tell people the truth and they're always shocked that I'm a plumber, <laughs> you know, in the sense that they always think, oh, but, you know, you, you give great lectures and I hear you on the radio and I do all this and I go, yeah, but, you know, 12 hours a day, I go fix pipes. It's kind of what I do. And uh, this has been a great joy for me to share the wisdom of Sheen, but, um, you know, as a business owner, I always envy the guy that's making more money than me or someone who's considered to be better looking than me or <laughs> something like that. And I think it's just, you know, we live in a competitive world. And so um, over the years, I've, I've been envious of others and, um, you know, I have to do a real soul searching. I'm not here to bear my soul too much on this uh, recording, but still, I think many of us struggle with the sin of envy. And uh, Fulton Sheen gives us this snapshot of the dynamic of the two thieves to kind of make sense of it all, okay? And uh, when I think of the two thieves, what Fulton Sheen writes, he said, you know, at the beginning of the crucifixion, the two thieves were hurling insults upon the Lord. Uh, like so many, they were saying, if you be the Christ, come down. And uh, there was all that, uh, you know, tension in the air. And yet at, there was a moment when all of a sudden the good thief looked upon the Lord and he had realized, he said, you know, I'm paying for my sins. I'm, I'm, I'm paying a price. And he actually had that moment of clarity where he went to his fellow thief and he rebuked him. And he said, do you not fear God? We deserve this punishment. The man beside us is innocent. And I think of how the good thief is such a great example for many of us, because how many times have we, um, you know, been in a situation where someone's maybe attacking the church, uh, speaking ill of a priest, speaking ill of uh, what we believe, and we remain silent. We don't um, make a response. Uh, the good thief gives us that holy example to say, no, there's a time to speak up, even when you are uh, being crucified. And uh, I tell you, I've learned a great deal because Fulton Sheen brings that to our attention, uh, mm -hmm. that the good thief had no envy in him. Uh, he had this great clarity of, uh, you know, seeing things for what they were. And he saw a king because he read, you know, above his head, king of the Jews, and that he knew that something was going on. And so that's why he asked, he said, would you please remember me when you enter your kingdom? And of course, those great words, 
uh, this day you'll be with me in paradise. So uh, again, the sin of envy um, is something that uh, many of us have struggled with. And um, if I I may share the um, section of the book that really jumped out at me, um, one would have thought a saint would have been the first soul purchased over the counter of Calvary by the red coins of redemption. But in the divine plan, it was a thief who steals that privilege and marches as the escort of the King of Kings into paradise. Two lessons are taught us by this second word from the cross. The first is that envy is the source of our wrong judgments about others. The chances are that if we are envious of others, nine times out of 10, we will misjudge their characters. Because the thief on the left was envious of the power of our Lord, he misjudged him and missed both the divinity of the Savior and his own salvation. He falsely argued that power should always be used the way he would have used it, namely to turn nails into rosebud, uh, a cross into a throne, blood into royal purple, and the blades of grass on the hillside into bayonets of offensive steel. No one in the history of the world ever came closer to redemption, and yet no one ever missed it by so far. His envy made him ask for the wrong thing, He asked to be taken down when he should have asked to be taken up. Just glorious words. Absolutely stunning. Right. And, you know, I think Fulton Sheen writes also in that chapter about hospital beds. And, um, you know, I think it's this whole idea of being taken up or being taken down. And uh, he warns us of wasting pain. You know, I think there's a great opportunity when, when we suffer physically and sometimes to some extent emotionally, uh, we have that opportunity to unite our suffering with the Lord's suffering. And uh, again, the good thief asked to be taken up and the bad thief asked to be taken down. But Fulton Sheen would say in every hospital, the beds are lined up on the two sides of the cross. There's those who are, uniting their pain with the Lord and asking to be taken up with him. And those who are saying, get me out of here, get me out of here. I want down from this cross. And so uh, again, I remind myself often about that when I experience physical pain to know that um, again, those opportunities are there for me to say, do you want to be taken up or taken down? Um, Sometimes I want to be taken down, but I mean, again, the joy comes from being taken up. So uh, again, good points that you bring up on uh, reading Sheen. And it's funny how you're just sharing a paragraph here and a paragraph there and how these speak to you, but every chapter is full of pages and pages of, of good stuff. And so uh, again, so much to be learned there. Um, But I think it's when you made that uh, mention of that passage and it, it's this whole idea of judging our, our friends and neighbors incorrectly, what we hear. Um, the good thief had to um, kind of sort out all the, the wrong things he had heard about the Lord, um, the misconceptions. Uh, and of course, he had to just um, put them aside. And then he saw the Lord for what he truly was. And, and a lot of times we fall into the trap where we'll hear something about uh, somebody and we'll go, oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, but we don't, we should discount more of this stuff. And Fulton Sheen says, most of the time, all of these things that we hear are 99.5% uh, untrue. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think we should take our time 
when we listen um, to the gossip about certain people. And so uh, to be, you know, a little bit leery of that. So uh, again, good wisdom there, because I'm quick to judge sometimes. I'll hear one thing about somebody and go, I made up my mind. But if I just took the time to listen to both sides and get more information, I can make a better decision. So, uh, so that's something. And, um, you know, Fulton Sheen said, uh, you know, again, these two um, uh, suggestions he gives in each chapter. And the first one was what you mentioned, of course, uh, to not take, um, you know, a lot of these uh, falsehoods and lies too seriously. And the second thing is that he wrote is that the only way to overcome envy is like the thief on the right, and that's to show pity. Um, you know, and that's sometimes hard, but we do have to show pity to some of these people. Like when I watch, you know, this competitive nature that's in business and school at work, um, again, these people, they need it more than, I always say, I guess he needs it more than me. And so sometimes I'll feel sorry for them and show a pity. And uh, Fulton Sheen would say, practice that, you know, showing pity. Um, it's sometimes hard to do. <laughs> sometimes we'd like to say, oh, I hope he kind of self-destructs or something, but uh, that's not the right thing to do, but show them pity. So uh, that's the yeah. advice that Fulton Sheen gives us. In, in fact, I'm, I'm now uh, quite hopeful that you're going to show uh, great pity on me and, and skip the next chapter. I know I'm not because um, it, it, it is, it, it, it's one of these ones. I mean, we're going to talk about the sin of lust and how uh, our blessed Lord gives us this perfect antidote, antidote when he says, woman, behold your son, and to the apostle we love, behold your mother. I mean, we have to admit, we live in a, I like to say a dirty, dirty world. Um, it's, Sheen writes about, it's an era, era, era of carnality. I mean, you can't go anywhere without being assaulted these days. And so, of course, you know, people always say, where do I turn? What do I do? How can I just get out of this mire and this muck? And uh, what Fulton Sheen does is he always says, you know, we have to exchange our loves. Uh, sometimes we have this love for the world, but yet he gives us the Blessed Mother. Uh, she is Mother Most Pure, Mother Most Holy. And, uh, you know, Fulton Sheen and his writings on Our Lady, um, he does some beautiful, um, I like to say, um, moments where he um, just kind of um, shakes our, um, I like to say, he tries to help us to unlearn what we've learned. Uh, because a lot of times our behaviors are, you know, we've learned the wrong things. And so he challenges us all the time to unlearn these behaviors. And uh, he talks about a good mother usually when she sends her children out into the world, uh, she'll leave them with this one little uh, nugget of, of, of truth. She'll say, remember, son, daughter, don't do anything that your mother would be ashamed of, okay? Be good. So, and so it's that, that thing. I think of those words all the time when I go out into the world that the Blessed Mother is saying, now don't do anything that I'd be ashamed of, okay? Um, uh, just be pure, be holy. And uh, again, I think of how the Blessed Mother, when you look at the foot of the cross, who was her companion? She brought with her Mary Magdalene, a redeemed prostitute. So, um, you know, the title of the Blessed Virgin Mary is she's the refuge of sinners. And so uh, we're to go to her, we're to go to her. And we're to exchange these lower loves 
with a higher love. And, and that's the hardest thing to do. We're so attached to our lower loves, but yet, do we have a love for the saints? Do we have a love for the Blessed Virgin Mary? Um, you know, do we have a love for our faith? And so this is the problem of the world. We've, we've lost our higher loves. And so we need to find those higher loves again, and they will inspire us uh, to live pure and chaste lives. And, um, you know, when I do talks at men's conferences, and I bring up this issue, uh, men who have recovered from pornography and stuff like that always say it was the Blessed Virgin Mary uh, mm -hmm. that assisted me. And I'm sure at the, the women's conferences, I haven't spoken at many uh, of the ladies' conferences, I'm sure uh, that's a similar answer that the Blessed Virgin Mary is uh, very instrumental in uh, the healing and restoration of so many lives. And so uh, let us go to Mary, go to Mary, especially uh, in this area. Yeah, which uh, definitely brings me to another quote that jumped out at me. And this concept of you know, that we we're loving we're loving something that is good right, when we're lusting, but the problem is that it's inordinate, and that there is a higher love, and it should be our love for our Lord, but also for the Blessed Mother. And so this quote jumped out at me, just as you said about Mary being a refuge of sinners. Mary is the refuge of sinners. She who is the virgin most pure is also the refuge of sinners. She knows what sin is, not by the experience of its falls, not by tasting its bitter regrets, but by seeing what it did to her divine son. She looked upon his torn and bleeding flesh hanging from him like rays of a purple sunset, and she came to know how much flesh sinned by seeing what his flesh suffered. What better way in all the world was there to measure the heinousness of sin than by seeing, when left alone with him for three hours, what it could do to innocence and purity? Right. Yeah, and it's actually, you know, when they talk about a word picture, you know, um, and I've, I've seen this before, and I just say, you know, when you think about engaging in a sin of the flesh, yeah. uh, imagine a piece of our Lord's flesh falling in front of you. Mm. Um, how the Blessed Mother had to see, you know, his flesh hanging like rags. And, um, you know, again, it was the sins of the flesh that caused his flesh to, to bleed and come off. And so, um, you know, use that as a motivational tool. Like, um, and this is what Fulton Sheen is trying to do. He's trying to say, your sin wounds her heart because your sin cost her her son she mm -hmm. lost her son because of your sin and i think sometimes this is what we don't reflect on enough is that um again we're kind of like these drunk drivers um that you know all of a sudden get behind the wheel and kill innocent life um you know i use this analogy a lot of times and that um you know the drunk driver wakes up in jail kind of wondering what happened. And then when they sober up, they realize I just took an innocent life. Um, and of course, uh, you know, they have to kind of deal with that. And hopefully they have a sense of remorse and guilt and uh, would make uh, um, an apology uh, mm -hmm. to the parents of that child. And, uh, you know, one day that came to me that I thought of how our blessed mother lost her son because of my sin. And so I I'm kind of have, I'm guilty of his death because our Lord went on the cross to redeem me of my sin. And yet um, she lost 
her son. And just like a drunk driver, I just kind of had that moment to say, you know what? I need to apologize to her because she lost her son because of me. And I tell you, um, it was a great moment of my life to make a sincere apology to the Blessed Mother uh, for the role I played in the death of her son. And I recommend that all the time to others to say, um, think about that for a while. Maybe an apology is in order. Um, because I think we all suffer from a mother wound to some degree. Um, I know I don't have a perfect relationship with my mother. Um, yes, she's still alive and she still loves me and she's probably watching, <laughs> you know, you know, you never know, uh, you know, even 85 year old ladies have the internet and they do, uh, you know, you know, check in once in a while. And my mom is a big fan, but uh, still, I think she gets it. You know, she understands this whole uh, concept of apologizing to your mother. And uh, so again, I say to people, it's good therapy um, to apologize to the Blessed Mother for your role uh, in the death of, your, of her son. And so sometimes a hard concept to grasp, but I think it's well worth it. So again, uh, the idea that the Blessed Mother had to watch. And so uh, again, the sins of the flesh and our Lord's flesh, uh, you see the connection there. But uh, again, he gives us the antidote and that is Mary. So uh, Mary, most pure, most holy, and she gives us that beautiful example. And I'll just, you know, end with these words, you know, those, what she said, never do anything that your mother would be ashamed of. So uh, to keep you on the straight and narrow. So, all right. I know, Matthew, you didn't want to do, deal this topic, but uh, you, we all have to deal with it. I, and, uh, I'm certainly glad that we did. And, and of course, we should also point out that when it comes to lust, it's, it's not just the sexual um, that we can lust after, but uh, we can lust after all sorts of things, can't we? Right. Yeah. But it's important to unlearn what you've learned and, um, you know, ask uh, some questions. I know, um, you know, I have a lot of apprentices that work for me. And so we drive the big work trucks and we, you know, drive down the streets and we, you know, see the ladies walking up and down the streets and stuff like that. And I always say to my young apprentices, I said, remember to ask yourself two questions when you're driving the truck and you're looking out to the left and the right and you see the ladies ask these questions. Is that somebody's daughter or somebody's wife? And uh, it will actually help sober you up because I know for me as a father, um, you know, I want to protect my daughters. And so uh, to have that respect to kind of just say, you know what, that is somebody's daughter or that's somebody else's wife. Um, so these things, and the same would apply to the ladies to say, is that someone's son or is that somebody's husband? So uh, unlearn what you've learned. We, we have a world that says there's no boundaries, uh, mm -hmm. but yes, there, there is boundaries, you know, and uh, you just open found, the I've always found that, uh, that a third one that has helped me out uh, as always to be to say, she is my sister. Yes, as well. true. Yeah. Very good, very All good. All being brothers yeah. and sisters in Christ, of course. Right, right. So again, go to Mary go to Mary and she will help us. She's the refuge of sinners. I think you mentioned that earlier. So uh, mm -hmm. she's there to help us. All right, mm -hmm. we continue in our Do, lesson plan. I'd love, to, I'd love to read out the very first part of the chapter, if I may. Oh yes, go ahead. Pride is an inordinate love of one's own excellence, either of body or mind or the unlawful pleasure we derive from thinking we have no superiors. Pride being swollen egoism, it erects the human soul into a separate center of origin apart from God, exaggerates its own importance and becomes a world in and for itself. All sins are evil deeds. 
but pride insinuates itself even unto good works to destroy and slay them. Important words. Yeah. And, and, you know, pride takes on many forms. There's intellectual pride. There's uh, financial pride. And, uh, you know, but I think this whole uh, intellectual pride is, is so prevalent in today uh, society. Um, I call them the know-it-alls. Uh, Fulton Sheen called them the intelligentsia. And, um, but I think we've all come up against the know-it-all. <laughs> and uh, sometimes they're the hardest people to deal with. And, you know, the, um, the atheist, um, you know, and Fulton Sheen warned us, he, he would say, you know, uh, don't knock yourself out with some of these people. Um, they said if they could, you could use their pride almost to line battleships. Mm. It's that thick. It's that in, impenetrable. So um, uh, not always to waste your time there. Let God work on their hearts. But again, uh, the the proud. And so, uh, you know, our Lord was using those beautiful words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me to um, connect us to, um, to help us to overcome the sin of pride. Uh, we know that uh, verse well, some people say it's the uh, one of the famous Psalms that begins with defeat, but ends with victory. And, um, you know, our Blessed Mother was at the foot of the cross, hearing those words, and she was thinking about her great a battle cry, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So, um, you know, it looks dark and despair, but really it's just the beginning of the battle cry, uh, this, this hope that will come and that we win. Uh, but again, pride uh, rears its ugly head off in, in society. And uh, what I love is I, I'll share a verse that Fulton Sheen um, you know, humbled me with, again, he brings to uh, the attention of what St. Paul says. And he says, or what hast thou hast not received, um, and thou hast received? Why dost thou glory if thou hast not received it? Is it our voice, our wealth, our beauty, our talents of which we are proud? But of what, but what are these but gifts from God? any of which he might revoke this second. And, mm. you know, I think what it's just saying is, remember, every gift that you have is not your, it, God gave you those gifts. So uh, don't get too crazy about how great you are. It's not how great you are. It's what God is doing in your life and the gifts he's given you. And so I think it's important that we uh, are reminded of that. But um, the one quote that I use all the time is um, Sheen said, you know, why are you so proud? And he goes, you know, the human body, when you, when you think about what it's made up of, um, he says, you know, there's probably enough oil in your body to make about seven bars of soap. Um, you know, there's uh, enough phosphorus in your body to make about, you know, 2000 matches. Uh, you got enough magnesium to kind of develop one, uh, photograph and um, you know there's a bit of salt a bit of sugar and he says you know chemically you're worth about seven dollars and 33 cents and, <laughs> and that's and, very and, humbling <laughs> yeah and you know with inflation probably it's 11.50 right so you know and for bigger men like me it's you know 12 dollars and 99 cents you know but so chemically i'm only worth 15 dollars mm but yet my soul is worth everything. 
it's worth everything. So why are you so proud? Why is, you're only worth 15 bucks, you know, chemically, but yet remember you have a soul that's precious and worth fighting for. So resist being proud. Okay. <laughs> and um, again, what does the scripture say? He resists the proud, you know, he wants the humble and contrite spirit, you know? Uh, so again, all of these warnings uh, against pride. So again, that, that reminder of what we're actually worth chemically and mm -hmm. what we're worth, of course, for their soul. So uh, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? and loses his soul right so these beautiful scriptures uh, stuff like that so uh different things but we definitely need the lord i think a lot of times we think we don't need him we're fine no 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 we need him we need him on that so uh again yeah yeah and the, the so the two tips he gives us and i think i want to always be consistent to never forget the the words of advice that he gives to overcome these sins he says he says, remember not to glory, not in ourselves, for God resists the proud. So again, don't glory in yourself. Always give God the glory. Mm. And uh, glory in humility, for humility is truth and the path to true greatness. And uh, don't we know that, that the best people, the, the people that we admire, are usually the most humble. Uh, they have true humility. So again, words of wisdom that Fulton Sheen gives us. So very good. Good. All right. Okay. We're going to we, move on to the, the fifth word yeah. now. And uh, I'm sure everyone will be pleased to know that uh, we've, we've now reached the point where I'm not up to. So you won't have any more quotes from me. I'm going to be relying heavily on Alan. Okay. That's right. I, I'm, yeah. I, I'm confessing that uh, that freely and, and, and hopefully humbly. And I'm going to make sure that I do not fall into this trap for next time. Right. Yeah. And I think really what Fulton Sheen does is he finishes well. So these last three sins that we're going to cover, I think, uh, again, he'll set us straight, but uh, he tackles the sin of gluttony with the words, I thirst. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we think gluttony is just being food and drink. Uh, but I, I try to say to people, remember, gluttony is more than just food and drink. It can be a gluttony for sports. Uh, entertainment, um, magazines. Uh, I mean, we fall Xbox into many. Games. Yes, um, we've run into uh, just many, I call them little addictions, but uh, for some, they may say it's larger, but yet the war is on. Um, our Lord is saying, I thirst for you. And yet we're saying, no, but I thirst for my entertainment, my I got to go to three hockey games this week. I have to um, do this. I have to do that. So uh, again, you can see the wrestling that's on there and the line is drawn in the sand. Our Lord is pleading a case with, with us. And he's saying, I thirst for a relationship with you. And uh, again, this is a tough one to wrestle with because, you know, we always like to say, this is my time, you know, and sometimes we just give God five minutes, 10 minutes. Like, I mean, Let's be honest with it. You know, let's be honest. A lot of times we've fallen into that trap for years where we give God the leftovers. Uh, we give him the last 10 minutes of our day or the last 10 seconds of our day. Um, yet all day long, he's saying, I thirst, I thirst. And, and I think of Mother Teresa, um, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, a Saint, Saint Teresa now. Um, her motto was I thirst and she if you went to any one of her houses um, and visited the chapels that were set up 
And I had the privilege of going and spending a day with Mother Teresa's nuns uh, in Peoria, Illinois. And uh, I tell you, they took me to soup kitchen to work. They did this. They, like they're busy sisters, but they we I spent a holy hour with them. And in their chapels is always a picture of our Lord crucified on the cross and the words I thirst, because uh, Mother Teresa was always trying to uh, satiate the thirst of the suffering Christ. Um, and she knew that the poor, she saw Christ in the poor. She saw Christ in the marginalized, those who uh, you know, needed compassion. And of course, our Lord was thirsting for that compassion. So uh, again, a lot to learn from Mother Teresa, but again, those words, I thirst. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll share just one or two quotes here from um, you know, Fulton Sheen. And he said this, he goes, um, and these, these are these two paragraphs that uh, you just kind of go, you know, he kind of puts a dagger into our hearts. So uh, he says there, he goes, he goes, if there is any indication of the present degeneration of society better than another, it is in the excess of luxury in the modern world. When men begin to forget their souls, they begin to take great care of their bodies. There are more athletic clubs in the modern world than there are spiritual retreat houses. And who shall count the millions spent in beauty shops to glorify faces that will one day be the prey of worms? Okay, so, you know, you read this and you go, well, <laughs> you know, but again, there's more health clubs in this world, that, you know, just fitness, little things, yoga classes, or what, what you know, whatever. but there's more of those than retreat houses. Like, let's be honest. I mean, go in any directory, you can't find a retreat house, but you can find fitness center after fitness center or beauty parlor after beauty parlor. I mean, I got, there's four places that does nails, <laughs> to do nails down the street from me. So I go, wow, you know, so, so Fulton Sheen guilts us a little bit there to say, okay, you know, um, so, so let me just guilt you one more time here now with this next one. He goes, okay, Sheen writes, it is not particularly difficult to find thousands who will spend two or three hours a day in exercising. But if you ask them to bend their knees to God in five minutes of prayer, they protest that it's way too long. Added to this is the shocking amount that is yearly spent, not in the normal pleasure of drinking, but in its excess. So again, these are uh, two what I call ouches, you know. I was about uh, but, to say ouch, yes. <laughs> yeah, ouch. And, and I think what it is is that and I love it. Like I have so many friends that will spend an hour in exercise every day. Oh, I've got to get on the treadmill. I got to do my, my, my 10 K run, five K run. Oh, I got to do my, you know, 50 push-ups and sit-ups. Mm -hmm. But then if you say, well, can you, can you pray a chaplet of divine mercy with me? How about you do a decade of the rosary? Uh, do you want to do some night prayer? <laughs> and they give you this look like uh, no that's just are you kidding me you want me to kneel down for five minutes and say my prayers like mm -hmm. like honestly that I, I i just my friends and family like it's all about fitness or this but you ask them to pray you know the answers are usually negative so uh mm -hmm. that that one passage really hurts and um but it is so true 
And sometimes we're guilty ourselves because when you know, all of a sudden that call, you know, my good wife has, um, you know, called me out for many years. Uh, she's always said, you know, listen, priest, prophet, and king, you need to come and lead the rosary for the children. And, um, you know, she, she picked up on the Catholic language uh, years ago. And so I'm glad she did. And so to call me priest, prophet, and king, it's important. And we all need to be that priest, prophet, and king to lead our families in prayer. So, uh, well, but to spend... I'm always, uh, I'm always saying that uh, behind every great man is an even greater woman with her arms folded, rolling her eyes. So um, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope to meet your even greater woman someday. I'll... Yeah, one day. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the two tips that Fulton Sheen wants to give us, and I, I don't want to guilt you too much with oh, more no, quotes here, but uh, on this one, okay. But uh, Fulton Sheen says, he says, remember that we need to uh, mortify our bodily hunger and thirst uh, and so we have to practice these disciplines. And I think this is something that we've gotten away from, from for years, like the whole idea of fasting, fasting on Fridays, fasting from meat. Um, these are all things that we can pick up again, uh, but to mortify your senses. And Fulton Sheen would say, you know, try it with the little things like give up the ninth cigarette a day, um, you know, or give up that uh, second cup of coffee. Like, you know, there's all kinds of ways that we can, do that um you know so again it's uh, this idea of practice the mortifications and uh you know it'll help you uh to um, overcome a lot of these sins but especially the sin of gluttony and, and, and you know of course the um the root word for for discipline is the same root word for disciple isn't it yes mm. yes yeah and uh you know he stressed here that we need to cultivate a spiritual hunger and thirst a spiritual hunger and thirst and i think that's something that's sometimes so lacking today is do we wake up and say yeah i want to add to the program i want to have this hunger and thirst for all things holy and mm -hmm. uh to put into place some spiritual practices so um i know lent is always a great time to hopefully pick that up and uh, i know we're going to embark on the spiritual rosary pilgrimage i think it's uh, coming up again very shortly. I think it begins today. Yeah. So, uh, and, and I'll be giving a talk on the power of the rosary on September the 21st. So uh, mark that on your calendar. I uh, share a little bit of Fulton Sheen's wisdom on the rosary. So uh, again, a great opportunity for me to share on you, that. You, may, uh, you so. may actually find it's a little earlier this year. So the okay. schedule's okay. Been, uh, been mixed up a little. So Okay, very good. Very good. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I love the imagery that, that, that Fulton Sheen's managed to draw here with the, the words of I thirst, because we find out in um, Scott Hahn's book, The Fourth Cup, that this is the fourth cup of the Passover. And the, the fourth cup is called the cup of consummation. And uh, my revelation is, uh, is one of Scott Hahn's favorite books and mine also. And I love studying the book of Revelation. And, and so what is it that, that is consummated? Uh, it's the marriage supper of the lamb the the thirst of christ is is at such an intimate thirst that the only thing it can be compared to is the intimate union between man and woman and this is why we see in revelation that it's the, the marriage supper of the lamb christ wants to marry his people that's what it's all about this intimate union between christ and his people so it, it's just wonderful and astonishing imagery thank you Right. And I think one thing that, uh, you know, I'll end on with this idea of thirst is our Lord, 
who is present in the tabernacle. He's present in every tabernacle all over the world. And yet, you know, do we remember him through the day? Uh, do we make spiritual communions? Do we make physical visits to the tabernacle? Do we, when we walk by the church, even though many of them are locked, do we still make a, a little, uh, you know, tip of the hat or acknowledge our Lord? Uh, to think that he is a prisoner of love in the tabernacle, and yet he's thirsting for those little salutations, those little hellos. And uh, so again, always be mindful that the Lord is present in every tab tabernacle all, all over the world, and that he's waiting for us. He's waiting for that visit. And so let us visit him. So again, uh, Fulton Sheen, um, you know, reminds us again of the holy hour that he encouraged all of us to um, to take part of every day if we can't go physically be in front of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament to still carve out that hour of day uh, for prayer time and to be with our Lord and uh, to make spiritual communions throughout the day too. So again, he is thirsting. He's thirsting for us. Wonderful. All right. All right. Okay. We're going into, again, the sin of laziness, uh, the sin of sloth. And uh, our Lord uh, speaks from the cross and he says, it is finished. Uh, it's kind of his battle cry to us. And, um, you know, I think of these, um, you know, beautiful, um, well, I'd like to say holy reminders that uh, our blessed Lord came and he completed his mission. Um, the Lord, you know, was sent by God the Father to come into the world, to preach, to teach, to heal. And uh, yet he's at the cross and he's finishing his mission. And he's almost, re, you know, reporting into God the Father, saying, it is finished. I have completed the work that you've asked me to do. And so it's a great holy example for us to complete our work, um, to keep the work of saving our souls and helping save the soul of others. And I think this is something that we forget a lot of times is the mission, that uh, we have to complete God's work. And... Um, Again, we fall into the sin of laziness. A lot of times it's spiritual sloth. You know, mm. are we saying our prayers? And, you know, I love Fulton Sheen. He, he talks about, you know, heaven is built on a hill. Mm. It's built on a hill. You have to climb. There's not this free elevator ride or escalator. You have to climb. And mm. so it's just one of these things. And, um, you know, he, Lord, he talks about... Um, you know, the two ways, the narrow gate and the road that is wide. And he asks us to go through the narrow gate. Uh, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be tough. But yet still, uh, you know, we can fall into the sin of laziness, the sin of spiritual sloth so often. Yet our blessed Lord gives those words, it is finished. And, um, you know, I think this is uh, one of these lines here that um, I think will just make you ponder. And let me share it. He says, where will the capacity for heaven come from if we have neglected it here on earth? A man cannot suddenly walk into a lecture room on higher mathematics and be thrilled by its equations if all during life he neglected to develop a taste for mathematics. A heaven of poets would be a hell to those who never learned to love poetry, and a heaven of divine truth, righteousness, and justice would be a hell to those who never studiously cultivated those virtues here below. Heaven is only for those who work for heaven. 
And so um, just as I said, uh, those who don't get math, if you walk into a math lecture, you go, what? Same thing with other uh, forms of study. But yet, how many of us really think about heaven and study mm -hmm. what heaven is? And, um, you know, heaven is for those who want to go to heaven, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so again, he's warning us to say, don't be that type of guy that just says, oh yeah, I'm going to get to heaven. Well, you don't even know what heaven is or what, what is heaven to you? And, um, you know, again, he kind of encourages us to say, um, you know, you need to learn about heaven and what you're striving for, you know? So um, again, I think just signing up for the Perusia courses, right? To give a plug for you there, Matthew, um, you'll find out what a bit of heaven is uh, when you take these courses. So yeah, I'll have to... And I'll have to that, sign up for a course or two one of these days. Yes, I think you should. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> this is one of the messages of the book of Revelation as well. This is one of this is one of the reasons that Martin Luther wanted to tear it out of the Bible, because all through Revelation, we 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 see faith and works. We see you, you actually need to put in the work. You actually need to continue to give testimony, uh, even unto death, because it's only those who um, obey and do the will of God that will receive the glorious reward of eternal life. Right. Um, there was something that Fulton Sheen wrote. Um, it was all about, you know, we're all actors, you know, in this great stage and that we all play different roles. And, you know, he said, you know, the doctor, the lawyer, the street sweeper, um, you know, everybody has a role to play yeah. and that we have to, um, you know, live it well and, um, and know that God has a plan for each and every one of us. I mean, Fulton Sheen's uh, television series was your life is worth living. And he was saying to everyone, God has a plan for each and every one of us. It doesn't matter what our social status is. It doesn't matter what our occupation is. God has a plan for all of us. And when we think about the life of our blessed Lord, you know, he was 33 years old when he died. And no one ever says that he died too young. You never hear, like, I mean, if we hear of a gentleman dying today at 33, we go, oh, he died too young. Or if someone dies at 12, wow, way too young. Yet we never say that of our blessed Lord, that he died too young. He died in God's perfect timing. Mm -hmm. He had a completed life. Um, he completed his mission. And so we have to kind of take that to heart that, you know, no matter what time the Lord takes us, we all have our part to play. And for some, it's 12 years, and for some, it's 82 years. But yet our blessed Lord leads by example and says, play your part, complete the mission that God's given to you. And so, and take um, a holy consolation. Um, you know, I think of our Lord, you know, yes, he, he died at 33, uh, but he rose from the dead and came back. And the one thing that he kept was his scars. He kept his scars as a reminder uh, to say to God the Father, look what I did for the world. Look mm -hmm. what I did for you. And uh, the fact that he kept his scars is so very important. Uh, but again, it's just a beautiful reminder that we're to complete our mission and to keep uh, doing, uh, you know, uniting our will to the will of the Father. And so the two points that Fulton Sheen makes in this chapter on sloth is that we must beware of spiritual sloth for its penalties are tremendous and two we must work for a complete life so let us try to complete the mission so uh again very important 
Mm -hmm. And of course, thinking about completing the mission, we'll go to the seventh and the final deadly sin. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about the sin of greed. And, um, you know, greed is, uh, it's it's with many of us. It's uh, one of those things uh, Fulton Sheen would say, you know, um, as a person ages, um, he'd say, you know, the sin of a young man is usually lust and um and the sin of a middle-aged man is uh, power and position. Uh, but the sin of an old man is usually greed. Um, he comes to the end of his life and he starts to say, I've worked so hard for this. And he hangs on to it. He becomes very possessive. And so, uh, again, it's just a lesson he gave. And I, and I see that to be true in some cases. Uh, but even little children can be greedy too, you know, they can be uh, possessive of what they have. But uh, still, I think, uh, you know, we talk about the desire of money is the root of all evil and uh, lots of different uh, scripture passage. Um, and of course, our Lord warns about a man that unduly loves money. Um, Fulton Sheen would say, you know, um, if you start to just be possessed by the desire for gold, you become like gold um hard yellow <laughs> stuff like that so uh be very careful about what you become greedy for but um again i think it goes back to a little bit of this sin of um of thirst you know our lord thirsting but i think what are our true loves you know we just have this love for money and power and yet our lord gives the remedy and when he says father into your hands i commend my spirit um, he gives God, I like, I like to say, he saved the best for last, in that our blessed Lord gave away everything. You know, he gave away his clothing to the executioner. Um, you know, we never hear about uh, what our Lord owned, like he didn't have a last will and testament, didn't have a house and property. Uh, but again, he gave away um, his clothing to the executioner. He gave away his two best friends to each other, gave the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. John the beautiful exchange. And um, yet he saved that precious gift of his holy will to the end, where he said to the Father, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Mm -hmm. And so he did save the best for last. And uh, he gives us that holy example. And, uh, you know, I think it's this sense of... Um, you know, we, we do get so possessive and it's hard to be charitable in today's world. Things are tough. Things are hard, but yet the best thing that we can give God is our will and it's to unite our will to the Lord. And that beautiful prayer that we sometimes pray, you know, may my will become your will, Lord. And um, a difficult prayer to, to make a lot of times, but um, you know, I think of these two main points that our uh, Fulton Sheen gives, uh, he says, the more ties that we have to this earth, the harder it will be for us to die. And it's so true. If we're attached to the world, mm. we don't want to leave the world. You know, we're attached to our things. And uh, many people bring to um, the attention uh, Fulton Sheen the Wisdom, where he says, you know, part of the problem with this world and that why we're so afraid of dying is we've never practiced dying, you know. Do we practice dying to ourselves? Do we practice these little deaths so that we can get ready for the big death? And uh, it is, it's a hard um, 
thing for me to propose. And he said, okay, everybody, we're going to practice dying. Okay. <laughs> you know, like every day let's practice dying. And, you know, they think we're crazy, you know, to, to say, well, what'd you talk about today? We talked about, we talked about practicing dying, you know, but <laughs> we need to have these little deaths dying to self. And again, what he said, it's going to be hard for people to leave this world if they're so attached to the world. And yet we see this in some people. They're just so beautifully detached. Mm -hmm. They're not attached to possessions. They're not attached to things because they know their true homes in heaven, that they're just a camper. <laughs> I like to say a happy camper that they've been placed on this earth and they're on this camping trip, but they know they're going back to their true home in heaven. So uh, that's why I always like to say, let's be happy campers, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, here on this earth. But uh, again, that whole spirit of detachment. So again, Fulton Sheen says, the more ties we have to the earth, the harder it will be for us to leave the earth and to die. And he said, too, we were never meant to be perfectly satisfied here below. Mm. And it's so true. I think, you know, a lot of times when we achieve things or we receive a gift, after a while we say, you know, it wasn't as great as I thought it would have been. That promotion I got, it was good, but, you know, it wasn't super. Like it's this idea of we're never satisfied perfect here in this earth but yet we'll be satisfied when we're with the lord for all eternity and so that gentle reminder that gentle reminder that uh remember practice to die and you'll never be happy <laughs> totally happy here on this earth until you're united with god the father and that's why it's so important to unite our holy will to his will and so that's um I think sometimes a perfect ending for all of us to uh, make that our prayer, to unite our wills to God. And yes. so give God your holy will. There's, there's just absolutely nothing we can desire on this, this earth that is going to fill the hole in our hearts because it's a God-shaped hole, isn't it? Right, right. All right. So you can see how the seven last words are the antidote for the seven deadly sins and that um, right. you know, that Fulton Sheen is our life coach. And, you know, uh, to be honest, this is a book that I read in 2009. And I read every year, just, you know, if I need to or not, you know, because it's my little, um, you know, like I say, uh, fresh refresher course, um, to know that uh, the wages of sin are death, and that we're in the spiritual battle. And uh, again, to give timely advice, because this is one thing that we find we are salt of the earth and light of the world and hopefully we can be salt for our friends and neighbors to help them along too because our friends and neighbors are struggling with these seven deadly sins and so to share a few of sheen's uh little you know uh, pithy saying sometimes can make a big difference so um you know we are here to um be the evangelist and to share the gospel so uh, Fulton Sheen will equip us with that. So uh, again, I don't know, uh, again, Matthew, if you want to, if we're going to have question and answer period or anything like that, but um, again, uh, the, the, everybody likes to talk about sin, I think. Yes. So, you know, so there's always lots of, uh, you know, very animated conversations and other people would just say, well, I'd rather not be <laughs> part of this conversation. I don't want to, um, you know, uh, admit anything. So, but again, uh, well, it's been such a blessing for me to, to share these teachings the, on the seven last words and the seven deadly sins, because I know at conferences, this is always uh, a talk that people ask me to give. Uh, because we're all kind of looking for 
a little bit of advice on how to overcome sin. So, because uh, we don't really get what I call spiritual counsel in the confessional anymore. A lot of times, you know, we go to confession and we confess our sins and Father will say, okay, good for you, uh, one our Father, two Hail Marys, and send us on our way. But how, you know, how many of us are really getting good spiritual advice, uh, especially to try to overcome these sins? And, um, you know, part of our act of contrition, we pray that we would confess our sins to do our penance and to amend our life. And so this helps us to amend our life, hopefully. So uh, anyway, so again, I'm here um, as long as you want. And um, Absolutely. Yes, and we, we, we will move on to a, uh, a private Q&A um, for the, um, the live participants in just a moment. But I wanted to say what a blessing you've been uh, to me and what a blessing Fulton Sheen has been to me. Like I said at the beginning, I've, I've had this book on the Kindle for couple of years now and I've, I've just never quite got around to reading it but uh, getting to know you Alan you've you've pushed me and I've started reading it even even now I've started reading too late but I've found it a, an astonishingly good book uh, full right. of incredible yeah. wisdom and I'm certainly glad I've started and I am right. absolutely determined to finish so thank you yeah. very much yeah so this is what it looks like in victory over vice uh, the seven last words and the art of overcoming the seven deadly sins. Um, I do have another book that people have seen and it's um, it's kind of what I call two books in one because people always ask me to be, uh, they're thrifty. And so people have seen this one before I've put this out on my Amazon page. Uh, it's the Victor River Vice book and the book on the seven virtues. And so we're going to, um, of course, um, unpackage the seven virtues on our next um, uh, Perusia um, I want to say inf not an infomercial, <laughs> I don't want to say <laughs> infomercial, but uh, you know, because again, it's this idea of understanding the seven deadly sins and and addressing that and to amend our lives, but then to make reparation and practice the virtues. And so yeah. I think that's why I put the two books together, uh, Victory River Vice and the Seven Virtues, because I didn't want to leave people kind of with just half the equation. And uh, this is what I found about Fulton Sheen is that I started to realize every year he was giving us this timely advice on how to use the seven last words in all the different areas of our life. Again, I mentioned, you know, 1936, he wrote Calvary and the Mass. Mm -hmm. And so now I look at the Mass totally different. I take the seven last words and I think of, you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what to do. I think of the Confidior, you know, mm -hmm. the time where we say, I'm sorry. And you know, the offertory and all this other. So again, um, again, book after book after book, Fulton Sheen was just saying, I want to help you with the mass. I want to help you to live the Beatitudes. I want to help you to practice virtue. I want you to help you to have a relationship with the Blessed Virgin Mary. And so he kept writing these just beautiful books on uh, the seven last words and these different topics. And so um, again, a lot of them are what I'd like to call combo lessons where he does this and then follows it up with that. So in 1939, he wrote Victory Over Vice. And then in 1940, he wrote The Seven Virtues. So again, okay. the lesson plan, the good priest saying, my parishioners who, the 5 million parishioners who are listening on the Catholic Hour radio program and the hundreds of thousands that bought his books because he turned these radio addresses into books and they were sold in the tens of thousands of copies. Um, again, he was um, not only walking the walk, he was 
I mean, he was talking the talk and walking the walk and sharing the message on a, a large scale. And so uh, kind of nice to do that with uh, Perusia and with so many others. So, uh, yeah. so that's that. So next month we'll do the seven virtues and we'll use the seven last words and apply them to so that you'll be able to practice the virtues and we'll have this open dialogue like we always do. And, right. uh, but again, this, uh, the seven deadly sins, we all have a sin problem. I used to only think I had two of the seven deadly sins, but then I realized that I had a little bit of everything. So um, yeah. we all, we all want to be saints. So this is part of our saint training class. So, um, there you go. A step in becoming a saint is simply to desire it. So yes. uh, Alan Smith, I can't thank you enough for sharing with us uh, your time. So much of your time, uh, your wisdom and, and your knowledge of venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Uh, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. As I said before, he's that good parish priest that shoulders up beside you and just counsels you and gives you a few thoughts to ponder. And uh, what's nice about books is that it's not a one and done thing where if you miss the lesson or you miss that homily, you know, you're, you, you've lost it. But no, you can go back and reread and research and uh, just know that, uh, again, maybe it takes two or three tries. Uh, but he's there. He's going to work with you. And so uh, that's the beauty of Fulton Sheen. He's, he is that priest that cares about your soul. You get it because, you know, he wrote uh, so many times, unless souls are saved, nothing is saved. And so it's that, it's that battle cry that I just love. It's about saving souls, including yeah. our own. So um, again, Fulton Sheen does that. So unless Amen. souls are saved, nothing is saved. Amen. Amen. And do thank your good wife for sharing you with us as well. So give her our thanks. All right. Okay. I'll well, do that's that. enough for this episode of the School of Sheen. And I look forward to seeing you again next month, Alan. Well, thank you. And so, uh, again, let's work on, uh, this is our homework. Let's work on overcoming the seven deadly sins. And then next month, we'll practice the virtues together. Amen. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to those joining us live. Uh, that's enough from us for now. Farewell and God bless. Thanks for listening to the Perusia podcast. If you've enjoyed these podcasts, please share with your family and friends. And for more information about everything Perusia, please visit our website at perusiamedia.com.